0: Hi, welcome to Sidewalk Talk. I'm Steve Fortunato. Uh, today, uh, this episode we have, it is an inspirational story and I hope it will uh, inspire you as well, uh, whatever situation you're in. It is a, uh, uh, a story of someone who has overcome um, and has moved forward and has done great things, not only for himself, uh, but for others, in particular in the western New York uh, in the Western New York community. So uh, we have with us uh, David Schaub. David, welcome, and thanks. And, and I know we talked off air, and, and you're willing to share your story. Um, uh, David, uh, you know, the start in life wasn't the greatest. And as a young man, you were in trouble a little bit. So before we get into the things that you do now, you're an entrepreneur, uh, you create great events. You're a publisher. You have your own podcast. I want to talk about all of those things, but why don't we start with, you know, go ahead, tell us your story. Tell us your early day story and and, and the things that you went through.
1: Yeah. First off, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you. Um, yeah. And it's been great to get to know each other um, before we even hit record here, but yeah. So to kind of dive right into it, um, I'm 33 now, but uh yeah so 33 years so let's summarize it as quickly as possible and of course you can let me fill in the gaps as you want me to but yeah so I grew up uh probably like a lot of people uh you know in a single mom family uh my dad uh wasn't around um you know wasn't, wasn't much of a dad growing up and my dad actually went to prison when I was man. I want to say I was five and uh so my parents didn't get along very well they were they are uh you know believe it or not, it was planned, uh, but I, it was more of my dad uh, saying, Hey, you know, I, I just, you know, they were married for a couple of years. And he was just like, yeah, I guess I'll just do it to make you happy. And then actually, my mom, uh, when she was pregnant with me, and my brother, I'm a twin brother, by the way. Mm-hmm. So if you see, uh, if you're in Western New York and you see mm-hmm. one of us walking around, one of us has four kids. It's not me. Uh, <laughs> I'm not living a double life. But yeah, you're so all, my mom was eight months pregnant I, with. Is uh, it
0: identical, twin?
1: And, and identical. Like yeah.
0: And you're both like six foot a thousand, right? Yeah. Six oh foot seven. God. So yeah.
1: uh, I'm married, but no kids. He's married, okay. has four kids. Gotcha. They, they got married 10 years ago and they started, you know, popping them out. But right. <laughs> so, and he has twin girls too, which is hilarious. Uh So they're not skip a generation or anything, but. That being said, so my mom was eight months pregnant with my with me, and my brother, and uh, my dad's like, "Yeah, I don't really want to be a dad." She's like, "Well, this isn't you know, there's no receipt, uh, there's no, there's no, mm-hmm. it's not irreversible." So I walked into that. I was born into that, and very angry household. I was a lot you know around a lot of verbal and physical abuse, and uh, my dad. Uh, when my mom eventually divorced him, uh, he just sort of burned our house down. Just you know, just short of it, destroyed everything and i legally legally could not meet him until i was 14. uh so my mom got remarried when i was a man eight or nine and uh he was an alcoholic so i had an alcoholic stepdad uh until i was 17. he abruptly left her family when i was 17. uh, which didn't really kill me wasn't my dad but obviously having that influence for whatever it was nine years or so it wasn't so i didn't have a really good influence of of men around me growing up and then uh, my mom had two other kids which are my my, uh, uh two half sisters uh, who were two and eight when he left. So that obviously really devastated them. And uh, I was arrested five times before I was 20. Uh, so the apple didn't fall too far from the tree, I guess, from the dad there. And, um, but, a lot, but it was a lot for a lot of dumb things like running over mailboxes, lighting off fireworks in people's homes. I got into a fight. Uh, I got a, a pretty good record for that. The guy I ended up uh, beating up, I guess you would say, was uh, his uncle was a Supreme court judge for 44 years. So the lawyer said, Dave, you hit the wrong kid. I actually got a felony for it. And then I did six months. Uh, of weekends where you literally drive yourself to jail on the weekends. So that was me at 20 years old, uh, basically. And uh, I, I actually got kicked out of college at a 0. .86 GPA. I got really It was this is in 2008, so that the the Great Recession basically hit there, and so jobs were scarce. So I got a job selling cuckoo, which are knives, kitchen cutlery, and yeah. uh, which is hilarious because you think about okay, uh, a, a felon is selling knives uh, in people's homes. It's kind of weird. So, um, but I turned out to be really good at it. I, I sold um a lot of knives. I was never one rep in the region that year. And then that little year later, they gave me the keys to run my own office. <laughs> um, so here I am at 22 years old with no business experience negotiating a lease with all the money I've saved and um, hiring receptionists and then hiring sales reps. And uh, you know, at, at one point I had about 80, 90 reps working under me um, in Jamestown, New York. So But anyways, uh, so anyways, uh, I I left at 26 years old, did really well, we did four and a half million dollars in five years to kind of give you some ideas and figures there. Went to vacation to Hawaii, took my mom to Hawaii, took my brother to Panama and South America, took my sister to Europe for two weeks and yada, 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 uh, bought a house. And so anyways, uh, at 26, I realized I was uh, outgrowing it. So I, I left and bought a franchise for a publishing company got five employees to, to work for me for that. And then um, I started motivational speaking, leadership speaking across the country for two years, wrote two books. Um, and then uh, I do a couple other different things. I, I started a podcast and I'll stop there. I You know, to me, I get bored very quickly. It kind of, I guess, you, I, I hate the term serial entrepreneur. It's almost watered down these days, but yeah, true. I, I guess it's a simple uh, lame terms to put it.
0: So, I mean, first thing that comes to my mind is, yeah, you've, you've done a lot of things um in the last really 10 years which is amazing uh after your your upbringing and and you mentioned it right away you didn't really have uh, um um, a a male role model that usually serves as a problem for a lot of people it's a real problem in america right now so did you ever find a male role model or how did you bust that cycle what was your secret
1: yeah, that was a great, that was a great question. You know, so for me, my, my very first role uh, male role model was or role model in general, honestly, believe it or not was my mom. So I know an outside perspective. Okay. Your mom, you know, didn't I want to check question two different ways, but the first was my mom. So I know like, an outside oh, perspective, you call your mom married to pick two bad men to, to kind of have with your childhood. I, I understand that, but a lot of us are just doing the best with what we know and what we have sometimes really growing up and in, in whatnot. And a lot of times hurt people, um, do, do things that, you know, I don't know about you, but when I'm hurting, when things aren't going well in my life, I, I make bad decisions. Right. So that being said, my mom really they gave her her story in 30 seconds or less is when she finally uh, divorced Tom, she basically went back to school. And so raising five kids, working three jobs, going back to school, to get her, her, her degree. And while uh, battling cancer, oh wow. breast cancer, and she survived it and whatnot. And Um, all that in a a relative short period of time. So for me, I saw that and I saw my mom like learning typing, like she got this, you know, back then we had CD ROMs, right? We put into the computer and we would, uh, you know, learn how to type. And I know my mom doing that to midnight and going, mom, why are you working so hard? You got to work at six more then you have to work your second job. Then, you know, it was just, I saw my mom struggle, but she never gave up in the perseverance. So I just saw that and that really hit home with me okay my, my mom can do this and get a job she eventually became a us customs officer and i just saw her rise above there and i'm like wow like that was my first almost role model that i'm realizing and my second was a uh, name name i justin Nephis and he was my first manager in caco uh with, with the cutler company and for once i saw someone doing something versus saying how many people do we know that you know, in fact, one of my favorite quotes is I can't hear what you're saying because your actions speak so are speaking so loud. So for Justin, he was a quiet guy. He, of course, you can get as motivated, but he was more of just just do just do it as I do, just work hard, do the right things, have integrity, but outwork everybody. And for once I saw that, I just stuck the glue like that to him and just really modeled everything I did in business after him. And I just, you know, I thank God seriously, so much that as I, as I found out more in the business world, as I got older, I'm like, man, there's a lot of people that cut corners that don't do the right things that just whatever gets the results, even if it's not the right thing to do. And I'm like, man, I'm so lucky to have this person at such a young age to my early twenties to really just watch and grow with. And, um, and, you know, so yeah, I guess that's answered your question. I'll stop there.
0: That's awesome. Um, What um, do you, do you stay in contact? What's his first name?
1: His name's Justin, Justin, and he lives in Ohio now. He's actually a division manager, so he's in control of an entire state now. And oh, that's great. Yeah, actually, when, when the Bills played Cleveland, uh, the Browns, uh, I, I caught up with them, stayed at his house, and yeah, so we, we still catch up.
0: Good, good. Well, your mom sounds like an amazing woman. That is a strong person. So I think, yeah, I think it was interesting when you said, that's a it's great that she's your role model, but you didn't really realize it, right? You probably, yeah. but you just absorbed it.
1: Well, you know what, it just kind of shows that people are watching when you don't even realize what yeah. you're doing, right? So, you know, oh, it doesn't matter. No one sees this, you know, or, you know, the kids are too young or whatever you want to call it, right? I wasn't really young watching my mom, but my mom probably didn't, not that she didn't care. She, of course, she cared about us, um, but she was just working so hard. And again, it's just how many times do we say that's just, you know, like, we just don't think people are watching us, but we do. and We're influencing people even without our words, right? So, People are watching, people are seeing you, especially your kids. And if you think they're not catching the, the little things that are not integrity or they, when they, they see cut corners, trust me, they're, they're seeing it. Because if you're doing it once, you're probably subconsciously not even realizing you're doing it over and over and over again. And then that, that's what they, I, I think it's huge. I think, in fact, I'm not a kid, I, I'm, me, I'm not a, a parent, but I think parenting is the most important job in the world. I, I really There's believe There's no doubt.
0: That. It's the most difficult most important and most rewarding job. I'm a parent of two and I always wanted to be a dad. I waited a long time. I wasn't a dad until I was in my forties. Mm-hmm. Um, the greatest thing ever. Um, we are
1: We want to change the world, which we'll just change our household first, right? We can yeah. change the world, but I think that's your house is your most important. Uh, I don't want to call it asset because that's not the word I want to use for it, but if, we, if, we, if we're if we not leading our homes well, how the heck, you know, in my opinion, we have no right leading others. If we're not leading our, our homes and our families and our kids, um, we should never leave them behind.
0: Yeah, man, I, I couldn't agree with that more. I talk about that all the time. I think the biggest issue in the U.S. is, uh, is kids growing up, in a difficult household, right? Um, Maybe it's not a standard household when, you know, a single parent, which, and the parent might be trying their best and doing the best they can, but that parent's human. I can't imagine being a single parent, how difficult that is, because it's difficult being a parent with two parents. Being a single parent, I, I, that is a, that's a tough job then you get into the whole education situation. You know, how can we improve that? How can we help our kids with, with better education? Is there a person though? I mean, or is there a time not a person we talk, is there a specific time, you know, you mentioned five times in jail, I think before 20 or was there some time that you just said died that there's not going to be a sixth or was it the fourth? There's not going to be a fifth Was a the third. There's not going to be a fourth. Was there one time where you said, that's it, it, it needs to change. And then eventually it, Eventually, obviously it did. Was there a time?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I I wrote it in my book when I talked about every company has that moment where they're sick and tired of being sick and tired or the, the light bulb hits, right? And I think sometimes we have to let people hit rock bottom we have to let people do it because often if they're they're clinging onto to that last glimpse of hope like like i don't have to change or you know someone's going to come rescue me a lot of times we have to let them do that because it, it, if they're really going sideways is what i'm trying to say right so that being said my my moment was when i was 20 years old and i, I just did one of my weekends i called them my weekend getaways this is a joke huh. my friends always called them my weekend getaways but um, so I was in jail my 20th and my 21st, I, I got arrested in my 20th, not, not, I didn't get arrested on my bird. I got arrested a couple days before and they held me for a couple more days. And then the 21st was told him to be on a, of course it was on a weekend.
0: A weekend. Right?
1: <laughs> so that being said, I came home. And I never just after your weekend, you miss everybody, including your annoying little sisters, right? So I came home and I just, you know, first person I saw was my little sister, Natalie at the time. She was probably five or four or whatever she was, very little and her little like onesies running around. And, and I said, Hey, Natalie, you know, I miss you. Give me a hug. And she goes, go back to jail. And she had ran away and she laughed not knowing the bomb she just dropped in my heart. And it just hit me. I went, Oh my God. If I like, I don't know why it just hit me so hard. I went, oh my God, if I like die today, if I like got in a car accident or something like that, I'm remembered as like David the Menace, the person that just did nothing with their life, that just did nothing. Like it just, you're, it was just this, you know, criminal, I guess you would say, you know, not this crazy criminal, but <clears throat> I did nothing with my life. And I went, oh my gosh, and I just sat in my room because I, I was in a ranch house of three bedrooms and there's five kids. Uh, so I literally went in my basement, my room, uh, and I just cried and I just sat there and holy cow, I have to do something. I have to make something of myself. I have to, you know, take a next step in my journey to become who I was meant to be. And I don't even know what the heck that is, what that's going to look like, but I'm just going to take a next step one, one little next step at a time. And, and that's kind of how my journey began.
0: What's the name of that book?
1: Uh, it's called never complete,
0: never complete.
1: Yeah. So it's about uh, the, the, the preference of it is just becoming who you're meant to be one next step at a time. And I think sometimes in the world, the culture is we have to have it together. Now we have to almost like we're grown up that we think our destiny is is a destination. Like it's something that we arrive at, but I I, I'm a firm believer. It's not a destination. It's, you know, it's a journey of taking a next step of who you're meant to be, whether you're 40, 40, 80, eight, 18, it doesn't really matter who you are. We all have a next step to take. And often we think our next step is to do something i have to do something but our lives are so busy right like i can't imagine you know how many times we look at our to-do list and we're happy if half of it gets done because we get sidetracked and other things call our name but for me often our next step is to get rid of something to remove something to create space for something better like for me when i was in my 20s i realized that i need to not necessarily accumulate better friends i need to get rid of some friends so i can create space for better friendships i don't necessarily need to you know um have a better relationship with, you know, maybe I just need to get, get out of an unhealthy relationship to create space for that. Right. Or you get my point here. So a lot of times we have to get rid of stuff so we can create space for something better in our life. And so basically my book is about how imperfect I am. It is not how to have it all together. It is Mm -hmm. not how great I am. In fact, you'll read this book. You're like, dude, I can't believe you're admitting this. You know what? This is me. This is my story. This is who I am. And, and let me tell you how untogether I have it, if that's even a word, um, you know, I'm just like how untogether I have it together. And, and then let me show you how empowered I can still feel knowing I, how imperfect I am, how many mistakes I make and still make today. Like ask, if my, you might ask my wife, if she's being honest, if she's being really brutally honest, but like, yeah, Dave's still working on things, right. But, but we can be empowered despite having it all together. And um, I just think that's so important, not just as young adults, but in life, like, it's totally okay In fact, embrace it, (laughs) not having it all together.
0: Well, I just literally uh, had a, a meeting this morning and, you know, our, our, our company Shovel Sidewalk is, is a marketing firm and we talk about this all the time. The reason that what you talk about is connects is because it's really you. I mean, so we say, you know, don't be perfect, be human. Mm -hmm. you know don't be perfect don't be polished don't you know just be yourself be you and in the marketing world right you know this that's what people want that's who they connect with is when you just are yourself and most people are never complete so i love where you where you go with this and i think it's it's real and that's why it would connect is because you know it isn't a uh, a how to book and how to have everything and be perfect. It sounds like it's more of a it's okay, <laughs> you're normal. You know, we never all have it together. The reason is there is no such thing as perfection. You know, it's always that half t- the to do this is always half complete, and it's what you do with it that counts, what you where you go, where you want to go, and who you want to help, and how you want to help them that matters. And if you can just Admit your imperfections and embrace your imperfections, you're going to connect with a lot more people and you're going to feel fulfilled. Right. I
1: connected way better with my without having it together more than pretending I have it together ever, ever could. Um, But one thing that, you know, that that I I just believe that if we're truly ever going to grow as a person, we have to have honest questions with honest answers. And often we know the questions we have to ask ourselves and we even know the answers it's just implementing that right is, is the hardest part. And one thing that people say, Dave, you know, well, you, know I, you know, you get, you know, I, you know, when you're on a podcast or whenever I'm speaking, well, how did you, you know, how did you, how you've been so successful and, you know, and all these other things. And, you know, for me, I just been, I'm, I've been, I'm a big implementer. I'm not innovator. I'm not, I'm not a creator. I don't have it all together. I don't, I just, as soon as I learn something or I really figure something out, like, I, I don't like this about me, or I don't like this about my life, or I don't like this about this aspect. What do I need to do? Oh, I know I need to do. I know what I need to do. And, but, but most of us, we leave it at that why it's too hard. What are people going to think about me? Well, what am I going to appease these people? Or it's going to be really hard. And, you know, often we love change, but we hate transition. We love the idea of change. I, of course, I'd love to like, let me give you an example. I'd love to lose 20 pounds. I hate the transition, which is the dying part, right? I love the, the change of, oh, I'd love to date somebody that's more for me, that's better for me, but I hate the transition of breaking up, like, which is hard, and then being alone in the transition of being more independent now, and then, then, and then actually taking the time to get to know someone, to find out they are Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, right? And that we love the idea of change. We hate transition. It's scary. It's, 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 it's a mystery and how's it going to go if it doesn't work out and but we have to be okay with transition we have to embrace it to do that and we have to let go of pleasing everybody um often our our yes is is a no somewhere else yeah i'm saying yes to this person but i'm saying no to this and is which is better you know you're saying no to something the question is what are you saying no to and is that fruit for a few so really I just like to ask honest questions in the book. This is me messing up. This is me messing up over and over and over again. Some things that are not my fault, some things that are my fault and a little mix of both. But these are questions I ask myself on a pretty regular basis in these situations. So let me ask you these questions now. Hmm. And it's just, and that's it, right? Just and each chapter is kind of going into that one's about leadership. One's about I, unhealthy relationships, man. I was the unhealthy one in the relationships, and let me tell you how unhealthy it was. And let me, let me almost brag about how crappy of a boyfriend I was. Let me brag about how horrible of a person I was at some points, but let me tell you what I've learned in this and this and that and this and that. And, and let me ask these questions so I can at least save you some heartache that I at least went through. That, that, that is, that is all my fault in some cases.
0: Did you ever think before about, I know you did speaking. Uh, did you think about being an author? I mean, is this just something you just did or, and now you're in publishing. I mean, what, how did this happen? I mean, how do you just write a book?
1: Well, writing a book is way easier than most people think. The hardest part is writing the first draft because we want it to be perfect, right? You want it to be like a finished product when you start your... And again, a lot of us have a fear of what are people going to say? Is this not grammatically correct? Is this not a, a good enough story? There's so many books out there. Where would my my, my mind can't possibly measure up and I don't have the connections to do this. And I, I had neither of that. It was just... You know what i locked myself in my room for a week i told my friends and family if i don't answer your text i'm alive i promise i'm not ignoring you um i'm writing a book and I, in fact i don't even think i told them writing a book because i didn't want them asking questions about it i literally said hey i'm busy next week please don't be bothered or worry and I think i put my thing on auto on my emails and my texts like an auto sent out or auto responder. and i locked myself in my in my my home office and i wrote ten thousand words a day and I had an idea of what I wanted to write, but it changes as you write. Oh, I, you know, I realized I want to talk more about this. And next thing you know, your book has a, a mind of its own because it's your story. It's flowing out of you. I cried writing my book. I, it was therapeutic. I talked about, it. I wanted it to be raw and real. And, and I just wrote it And chapters changed. I thought I was going to have it this way. And it, it's fine. Just let it flow. And then after I, I read it, after I, I wrote it, then I reread it again. And I, I fixed some things and yada, yada, yada. And I'm horrible at grammar. In fact, I failed English, you know, so this kind of showed you that part in school. And thank God for editors, uh, cause they're the ones that take care of it. And I had, you know, edited. And then I had, you know, people read it. And then I self published it, you know, you can, you can sell to a lot of different, I didn't really care to become a number one best song author. I just wanted to share my story. And 95% of my book sales were when I was done speaking, most people don't right. read a book unless it was either recommended, or they feel a crazy amount of marketing, or because they saw you speak, and like, I really resonate with this person, I want to, I'd love to hear more of their story. So I would sell my books at the end of my speech, with students uh, or, or staff members or teachers or maybe I was speaking at a conference where a lot of parents were at which is weird I've spoken at parent conferences and I've never been a parent you know it's mm-hmm. just but people want to know how to connect with the you know the, the younger gener- generation whatever you want to call it the point is that we all are human, using your words there. We all have problems. We all want to get better. We all want to grow. And more importantly, as parents, we want to help our kids navigate this world and become independent adults because we can't be there 24-7. How do we build this foundation? How do we get the wider than the think a certain way? And so that's kind of how I, how I did that. So sorry if I went off on a tangent there.
0: No, it's it's awesome. It's a, it's something I didn't anticipate us talking about. Again, another, if it can inspire somebody. So somebody you mentioned I know a lot of people that have have uh, we'll call it content. Cause I can't think of a better word right now. It's the word content in our heads all the time now with marketing, but they have great content or, or ideas or stories that should be shared, but they're not sharing it, whether it's through podcasts or a book and they, and it is, and I get that too. the written word for me is much more difficult than the spoken word. Uh, And I think part of it is what you said, Oh, grammatically it's going to be incorrect, which we are grammatical. We are, I always tell people, don't worry about your grammar. Don't just be who you are, but the written word is different. So, so it's pretty inspirational. what, What you said about you locked yourself in your room for, for a week. Okay take us to that, that person who's like, okay, well, I can do that. I'll, I'll try that. I'll write it, but it's still going to suck or it's going to be so many errors. How did you find somebody or an editor to to look at it, to help you? Who did you find? Where do you go to do that? Because I, I feel like if people knew, hey, those steps are, are doable, you you know, you don't have to be a New York times bestseller, then they, maybe they would take those steps. So if they knew in advance, I don't have to worry about it now. I'll worry about it later, but yeah. there are opportunities to find an editor. Where do you just find an editor? What did you do?
1: There's a lot of freelance websites, you know, so I used Upwork. So mm-hmm. I basically put editor, this is my budget, you know, to do that, you know, cause you can, you, you, you could spend $500. You could spend $15,000 for editor yeah. depends on, you know, what you want. And I looked at reviews. So honestly, I just, you know, just like, you know, Google's a beautiful thing. I just, how do I self publish my book? How do I do this the right way? And you know, if you have the budget, you can pay somebody to do all this for you. Basically, kind of like a, a realtor or a stager, they can help you stage the home to sell more or whatever. So, it, it, so to me, I, I didn't really want to do that. I just kind of want to do it my own way. But I I think it's great if people do do that. Take someone that's an expert in the book publishing industry. And, and use, and you know, and use their expertise, right They They've done this a hundred times. You've done this zero times in, in in this case. Right. So I think that's really cool. I, I honestly, I didn't find out about that stuff until after, but hmm. that being said, uh, you know, freelancers are a great way. And people that have, again, I look at their resume, how many books have they added? I want to see, and I want to see how, how other books are doing as well. And you can see that stuff. So, um,
0: yeah. So go online and do it is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Don't overcomplicate it. A lot of times yeah. we think of reasons why we can't do something. No doubt. A lot of it is just, it's just fear and fear that paralyzes us or propels. And, you know, honestly, I do my best work when, I, when I'm afraid. I know it sounds weird. I, I just when I'm back in a corner. I just maybe, you know, sometimes I, I'm, I'm just, and, and in fact, most, I'm, I'm just really thankful that I went through what I went through mm-hmm. as a child because I'm like, man, that really prepared me to learn how to handle really chaotic situations. Like I, I was around chaos my whole life. <laughs> so yeah. so I, I you know it, it, it let's be honest. If we and I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but if we're parents that constantly coddle and keep our kids away from chaos constantly, how are they gonna learn how to thrive in chaos? Because let's be honest, when they're an adult, are they gonna have someone shelter from chaos? No, we gotta. I'm not saying we should purposely put them in chaos and, and stuff like that. What I'm trying to say is that often we don't want to take our kids away from things, we want to teach them how to go through things. And, you know, like, like, hey, like, this is a hard situation. What do you think you should do? Versus this is what you need to do. Like, what do you think you should do? How are you feeling right now? You know, what do you think you should do? And, okay, cool. And then you just walk them through that. And kids are smart. They get it. And, you know, and they need to be corrected sometimes. And of course we do. At least I did. I need to be corrected a lot. But just helping them learn how to handle emotions. And, and, and failure, and how did you feel about that? Not just, hey, let's go get ice cream because you had a bad game. Like, yeah, that's fun sometimes. You wanna you know love them. I love the heart behind it, but sometimes people have to sit in their feelings and learn how to process that because when you're an adult, we want them to process it as very well. So I'm very thankful I had to go through stuff because my mom was working three, four jobs. I did a lot on my own, and I learned a lot on my own, and then learn teaching your kid how to process you know, at least for me, going to books, learning these things. And um, anyways, I'll I'll stop there because I can keep going on a tangent. But
0: I I think you can take that lesson uh, into entrepreneurship, too, when you have or not just that or or managers and businesses when you're when you're when you're in a leadership position and you're a teacher. So we're all teachers at some point and is is the best way to teach the, the easiest thing to do would be to say, do it this way. Mm-hmm. This is the way you should. Or is it better to say, what do you think we should do? And never know. They might come up with a solution that's actually better than yours. Yeah, And then you can implement that solution. You know, it's,
1: see, And that's, that's you know. leadership right there, right? right? If we always come up with the answers with people, they're always going to come to us for answers versus what do you think you should do? Before oh, yeah. actually, I, I have an idea what I should do. In fact, I, I kind of have my perfect answer, but I don't want my perfect answer. What do you think you should do? Exactly. And let them come up. And in fact, with my team, I say, hey guys, uh, before you bring a problem to me, I want you to have at least two ideas of what could be the solution. You cannot come to me with a problem and come to your problem if you have a problem. Don't get me wrong, but I want you to have at least two ideas of a solution. Even if you're not sure they would work, at least bring two ideas of solutions. And I'm telling you what, a lot of the problems were being solved before because they're like, you know what? That is a good solution because we teach them to come up with solutions before bringing problems to people. So now if they can't solve it still, those, they come to me, but I think this might work. I think that might work. I, I Teaching them, wiring them to do that uh, is huge. I think, especially for, for, as an entrepreneur, teaching people how to be problem solvers. How, how else are they going to be leaders if they're constantly micromanaged?
0: Yeah. They, and, and micromanaging works for some. It doesn't happen to work for me as a manager or as, as, as a person that needs to be taught something. I, you know, I'm, but everyone's wired differently. And I think as in leadership, you have to figure out how that person is wired. And if for in my situation, if someone that's working with me, because no one works for me, they work with me. If someone's working with me and they absolutely need to be micromanaged, well, then that's my fault because I should not have hired that person. I should have put, should not have put them in that position if it's a position of, I don't want you to be micromanaged. I want you to be, I want you to, to learn and bring ideas to us. Yep. And we can learn together because I don't know everything, you know, I don't, you know, I have a lot to learn. And so if we can learn together, then we can grow together and, and that'll be a better. Yeah. Result. You know,
1: and to kind of, kind of go back to what we were saying here, like, for me, it's like, let's say I, have, let's say you have 15 employees, right? Like, let's say you have five managers, one for each of the 10, right? A different section, we're going to call it. So I don't want obviously all 50. It's more of the leaders. So how do I teach yeah. those leaders, all those people? Cause you're right. Some people like, you know, like some people is like, Hey, just tell me what to do. And I'll just do it. I don't want, I don't want to be a problem solver. I just, just tell me what to do. I'll put my head to the grindstone. That's awesome. Right. Yep. So that that's the case. Then they should be more of someone of that nature. Right. And right. The, we should work the people's strengths. But if someone's a leader of people, I want them to be problem solvers. And I want them to, to of course, come to you when you need something, but Let's come up with some solutions first before we do that.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Talk to me about N2 Publishing. So you, are, you, you have um, your franchise owner.
1: Uh,
0: what is N2 Publishing? Well, I kind of know what it is. So you work with communities, but you, just in Western New York. And what's really cool about it, the neighborhood or the community members, it's a, it's a magazine for the community members written by the community members. Uh, two things. Tell me, tell me if I'm on target here. I think I am. Uh, and how you got into this?
1: Yeah. So uh, yes, N2 Publishing. Basically, we we just work with uh, affluent neighborhoods and produce neighborhood magazine for them, written by the residents for the residents. So you nailed it. So it's about goes about. I don't know every every uh, franchise is different, but um, so yeah. So basically the most affluent neighborhoods, We uh, the residents write it. And it comes out every month. You do their neighborhood events, like their Christmas parties, Easter egg hunts. Um, so I have employees that really do that for me at this point. And we're just good fits for businesses that really want to reach those types of communities on a relational level. Um, not a instant gratification, ROI, click, you know, pay-per-click. But anyways, how I got into that is, um, I used and I used to work for Cutco back in the early 20s. And a lot of people were, a lot of friends that have loved Cutco, um and, and, you know i purchased a franchise for that um in different cities like in chicago nashville and california pittsburgh and um so when i left cacco I, I in fact i didn't talk about this when i left i literally left cold turkey i had nothing planned mm-hmm. so at 26 years of age i called it my quarter life crisis steve <laughs> what i literally did is i quit my my i i my quit i mean i literally stopped working for cacco that more i literally woke up and i said you know what i don't want to do this anymore and I went to my reception and said, here's a couple of weeks pay. You have a great day. Thank you for everything you've done. She goes, yeah, I can tell your heart wasn't in anymore. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I'm not growing anymore. I need to grow. I need to learn. And after six years, I kind of, I don't want to say I mastered it, but I, I learned everything I could. And I was ready for something different. I broke up my girlfriend like a week earlier. And I, it was right before Christmas, a couple of weeks, you know, three, four weeks before Christmas. And I had a house and I had two cars. I had a winter car, a summer car. And remember, I have a record and I have no degree. And I'm 26. My family thought I was crazy. Dave, what are you doing? Like you had a great job, a career. You built it up. Why would you do that? I'm like, I just, I, I, I can't, I have to do something different. And I would rather lose everything than just be apathetic for the next 25 years until I retire. Mm-hmm. I just can't do it. And I, I left and I had nothing. I said, you know, I know this is not how it works, but I'm like, God, I'm going to give you two weeks and maybe I'll put a resume together. I had no clue what I was going to do, Steve. Zero clue. And it was so funny how like two weeks later, I got a a call from N2 saying, Dave, we kind of heard who you are through the grapevine. We, you know, we know you did great things in Buffalo and we know who you are through other people. And can we have a discussion about this, this, you know, you being part of a a franchise in Buffalo, we never had a franchise in Buffalo. We have one in Rochester and Syracuse, but not in Buffalo. So anyways, uh, we did a couple of weeks of phone calls. I went out to Chicago here and here, I here I am. So um, it's 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 great. It's it's an amazing company, and um, I, I love delegating everything I don't like doing and working. So if, to me, as an entrepreneur, it's just chasing your passion and delegating things you hate doing. That and basically monetizing what you love doing and solving problems through your passion. That's to me, that's entrepreneurship. So, that, so that's kind of
0: what oh, are the I, things yeah. right now that you love doing within Two Publishing.
1: So I, so me, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Um, mm. And I love connecting with people. So Steve, when we connected originally before this, I'm like, I don't know who Steve is, I want to know what he's about. I want to know what sucks, what is great. I want to know who I can connect him with or help him with. I'm a connector and I'm a sharer. So if like, if this is the best water I ever had in my life, I want everyone I love to have it. Like, I'll, I'll send you each a case of this water, or coffee or food or I love, I love sharing. So for me, when I learn stuff in books, I love sharing. So for me, you know, so with N2, I connect with all these amazing affluent people, which 95% were entrepreneurs of some type CEOs. Mm-hmm. So I, I connect with them, learn with them. And that's kind of helped me build. And people can tell when you actually really care versus how are you? What do you do? This kind of, you can tell there's a hidden agenda there. So with me, I'm like, dude, I don't care if this, you know, because how I make money is advertising, right? They advertise in these magazines. I say, hey, listen, if this doesn't work, I don't really care. Of course, is it, does it work? Great. I, of course, I love I, I love getting paid just as much as the next person. But if it doesn't work, I don't care. I at least want to leave you knowing who you are, what you do, what are you about, what has worked, what has not worked for you. And people just genuinely appreciate that. And, and to me, that's really how I've built the foundation here in Western New York in the Buffalo area. And that kind of led to the podcast, which I do now and um, how I gotten so many guests on there. And um, I guess I'll stop there so I can keep going, but that's kind of what I love about N2 is connecting with, with high level entrepreneurs and really picking their brain.
0: Where events are a part of this. You do progressive dinners. Was that your idea or is that part of the N2 plan? N2
1: model. It is. Yeah. So again, I'm not a creative person,
0: but that's perfect for you. That's the kind of stuff you like.
1: I, oh, I love it. You know, I do it for free. You know, I, I love speaking in front of people. I love just be like, hey guys, thanks for coming. Like, this is awesome. Like nobody brings a cup of sugar over anymore. You no, know, you get the awkward wave when you actually make eye contact with the dog walker. Yeah. Like, isn't this great? Like, I love this. Like you guys get to connect with people. So I'm I'm creating an environment of connection between residents and residents. So like, so they get to hang with their neighbors and I'm creating an environment for, a, you know a few business owners who, who RCP'd to connect with them on a relational level. And yeah, what are the odds I'm needing a real estate agent, a plumber, an electrician that day. I don't know, maybe slim to none, but you're probably gonna go with somebody when you need that service that you've actually connected with, you met with, and I get to foster that. And if you're anything like me, Steve, or anybody that's listening, you're maybe you're like me where you didn't you didn't have connections growing up. I didn't have the connections, I didn't, I wasn't a connected individual at all. So here I'm a share. I get these connections who wants a connection? <laughs> like, you know, like who wants to build genuine, honest relationships. And I love connecting with people that that do that. And and 2 lets me do that, that built that. The podcast lets me do that. The events with that, I everything I've learned from that and from speaking and I've learned and carried it over to the podcast. And, and you know, where Dave, where are you going to be at 10 years from now? I have no idea. And I don't really care. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm just sitting here going like, okay, how do I... Like, what does God have for me here? And what next steps can I take here? And how do I, what do I feel like these passions are pulling me up here? What problems do I see that need to be solved that I feel like I'm good at? And what can I delegate? And what can I bring with me to do that? And that's where my mind is always going. And if I look in the mirror too many days in a row, I'm like, I don't like what I'm doing, or I don't feel good. I don't feel like I'm growing. Even as a husband, like we have this visionary meetings once, uh, I call them a quarter, quarter meetings where I say, how am I doing as a husband? Like, no BS, hurt my feelings if you have to, what do I need to improve? How am I growing? How how are we really doing? What do we want to be at six months from now, a year from now? And, and I I want to know this, uh, I, and I, I guess that kind of comes from the deep soul or in depth where I don't want to waste my life. I wanna be intentional with everything I do and I wanna be meaning and, and passion and purpose behind it. And it's not gonna be perfect. It's gonna suck sometimes and sometimes it'll be dead ends. And why did that door close? But you know, when you're being intentional and when you're loving others, you're treating people well and you're working hard and you're using your gifts that you feel like God has called you to do. I just think that like you're taking a next step every day. And sometimes you take three steps back to move another step forward. But like, you get my point? Like that's kind of where my brain flows every single day.
0: So it's not just, it was interesting because you used, what'd you call the quarterly? Uh, quarterly your,
1: vision, I call it yeah. visioneering. So, <laughs> so, I mean, it's
0: great because we do do that in business, right? You're supposed to, but but in life too. That's what you're, to me, that's what you're saying is do that in life, not just. Yeah, business you're operating yeah like
1: and, and you know i mean I, i'm not a i'm not a bodybuilder i don't run iron man races mm-hmm. but you know i'm like you know what do i want to be at fitness wise you know like i love playing volleyball i want to make sure i'm doing that twice you know twice a week and i used to do it four or five then i got married that <laughs> stopped doing that and mm-hmm. in my relationships not just not just my wife even though that's yeah. that's numero uno. Right. But for me, I'm like, how am I being, am I being a good son to, to my dad? Right. So I, I have a relationship with my dad and you know, we have a great relationship with my dad now, two, three times. And you know, he's not perfect. And we just like, just like me, I'll, I'll forget him for a second. I have stuff I'm working on. And when you realize again, that hurt people just hurt people. And you realize that when you learn from their past and what they're doing, not to give them excuses, but you just realize that like people are often doing the best what we have and with the way we were wired and growing up. And it's just, and I think the biggest thing for me not to go off topic here, but I think the hardest part is that when, when we find it really hard to forgive others, it's because we realize that we're not forgiving ourselves. I can't forgive somebody else. I can't imagine doing that. If I haven't forgiven myself yet for being imperfect, for not, for not being the best, or even just my thoughts, man, I can't believe I'm even thinking that I'm judging this person, even though I didn't verbally say it, but, you know, I can forgive myself for that. And when we start doing that, we can forgive others. And for me, that was one of big breaking moment for me. I wrote that my book was forgiving, not just my dad, but forgiving myself because I just, you know, for the things that I've done in my life, I didn't murder anybody. But the point is that even if you did you forgiving yourself, how can you forgive others if you're holding on to things? It's really tough. It's, it's almost impossible. <laughs> so um, unless you're really good at faking it.
0: Right. Uh, but anyways. People usually figure the fake stuff out, though. That's why the whole thing is that's why you need to be authentic and need to be real and be human. Um, all right. So, I I, I want the the podcast itself. So, the podcast started after and to publishing, but it's a podcast strictly for Western New Yorkers, Buffalo, Western New York, right? Isn't that that's why (laughs) the name of the podcast is WN or Western New York Entrepreneur. Well, that would tell me that it's. western new yorkers tell me why because a lot of people want to be worldwide i want to talk to the entire world you want to put your eggs in the basket of western new york and western new york entrepreneurs and connecting people that way why is that
1: yeah so i think sometimes you want to impact the world but sometimes we have to our mission field is just our area of influence and so Mm -hmm. for me i i I saw a hole i saw a problem kind of like entrepreneurship solving a problem with your passions and i sat there i went there are so many amazing podcasts out there like fortune 500 ceos and, and and i don't have those connections you know so for me i was sitting here going but what about the amazing entrepreneurs in western new york like why don't we capitalize i don't know about you but sometimes you i don't know about you see but sometimes i listen to a podcast i'm like okay this person's in greenland this person's mm-hmm. in california or florida right or whatever we, we know that different cultures things that work in different areas of the world don't necessarily mean they're going to work in your area right because Different cultures, different things, different needs. Sometimes an area needs this type of category, but this one's saturated, right? So my point is that I, I, just, I mean, well, I want to, I want to, I want to learn from entrepreneurs that have done it here. And I'm like, so I'm on this journey of learning all throughout the years to my end to publishing from all these business owners that either have advertised with me or lived in the neighborhoods that I've worked with. And I'm like, I want to share. I'm a share. And when I quit motivational speaking um, because I was on a plane every week, and I sat there and went, well. I don't want to, I don't want to be an absent husband or even eventually an absent father. So I'm going to quit motivational speaking, which was tough because I loved doing it, but now I can impact the, the local. So that, that's kind of how my thinking came into creating that podcast.
0: Hmm. Yeah. The motivational speaking, that, and we didn't touch on that too much, but yeah, you gave that up after a couple of years because you wanted to be a husband, right? And you didn't feel that. Do you think your upbringing influenced that decision?
1: Yeah, I'm sure it did. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So yeah, for me, I just, you know, I, I don't want to make the mistake. Sometimes you learn from your own mistakes, but I, I like learning from other people's too as well. And I've learned one thing I realized in the business field, just from observing, just being uh, an observationist is that a lot of people that are really good at business are, are, are you know, they're on their, th- you know, I don't want, again, I don't want to say anybody, but they're on their third marriage their, or their kids don't even know who they are. And, and I, I know a lot of affluent business owners that are amazing people, amazing parents, amazing, you know, dads, right, whatever moms, right. And I know some that are just like, you can tell that that just consumes them. And I went, I don't want that. I want this. So I, I before I even got married, I, I saw myself with a couple of guys. And I said, Hey, can you guys just mentor me? Like, what is it like to be a business owner, being busy and being a good husband? I, I want I want both. I, I don't want to be a businessman with a family I want to be a family man with a business who just so happens to run a business and and you know I got shout out to so many great guys in the area even out of the area that just poured into me and learn and again, just through their just not even just pouring into me like one-on-one but pouring into me from just because I watched them I know it sounds weird but I watched people just observed them and see how do they how do they talk to their wives because I didn't know I didn't know what it looked like all I knew was anger mm. you did this wrong I'm going to let you know and hurt you back physically or verbally. And that's all I really knew. And, and you know, and I, I really had to learn before I even got into another relationship, let alone get married that I had to rewire myself, but going back to the podcast, it's, I just saw that Buffalo specifically, Western New York area was stuck, in my opinion, this is just one person's opinion, was stuck in the 90s. In terms of networking, it was just the same thing over and over again. Someone does a presentation to everybody does their 30 second elevator pitch. And it's like the same thing, but just put a different logo on it, or a different networking name to it. And I went, there's a better way. And when I, I've been to 44 of the 50 states, and I'm like, there's just so much potential here in Buffalo. Like, again, I got sick of waiting for it. So I'm like, let me throw events that have deeper meaning and deeper deeper connecting, just a different way, not, not necessarily a better way, just a different way. The way that I would love to, 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 to create, again, I like creating culture in and events that foster real genuine connection relationships and sharing. Um, and I want everyone that comes to an event to feel that. And I want to create that. And I just, I got sick of waiting for it. So I just, that's why I created it. What
0: did you have in a, how- COVID put a, uh, put a little bit of a dent in some of those plans, right? Do you have an upcoming event?
1: Yeah, it's actually um, this Wednesday, but it's sold out in 16 hours. So again, I'm good. just, I'm super grateful and thankful. And I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just so thankful, uh, you know, so we're doing an in-person event, you know, we okay. it under 50 for COVID guidelines, but we do, we do a different event, every month, we don't do the same event. So for example, we did one in November before everything got shut down again. Uh, we did a 90 person uh, networking event in person at the new Seneca One Tower, which is like mm-hmm. the tallest building in Buffalo it got renovated. And to keep it under COVID guidelines, we kept 33 or 30 in each section. And then we would do like a progressive dinner and we'd switch where they'd go around the building. So they wouldn't like, it was really cool. So everybody would meet each other. But they would, again, we had masks on the whole nine yards. And then during when COVID hit last year, Last year, April, more mm-hmm. uh, March, I should say, but yeah. April, we did a hundred-person virtual networking event on Zoom, and we had a lot of cool na- big name, big-name speakers on there that are big in the Western New York area, yeah. I should say, and uh, so that never really stopped us. And honestly, my network and our subscribers and listeners tripled during COVID. Wow! So uh, there's always a gift in every horrible situation. Like, what is the gift? And when there's new problems, there needs to be new solutions. So what works before the pandemic isn't necessarily gonna work during the pandemic, or you know, now that we're post-pandemic, we can't just expect things to go back to normal. What what new problems are arising that we can solve? We're working pivot. Right. You know, we're const- That's why I'm constantly thinking. Okay, like I'm seeing this problem. How do we solve this?
0: Right, right. So the 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 events that you have are under the premise of the podcast like what give me you have you said you at the time of this uh recording it's uh well it's march of 2021 so um, we've pandemic is 1 year old um, but we're, i can't remember the percentage of people that are now vaccinated um, and so things will are slowly opening up a little bit more What's the name, like What the name this Wednesday, what's the name of this event? What, what do you, do you have a different name each time or how, what's the umbrella? usually name
1: it like, like the, the place that it's at. So we call it the okay. K house networking events. It's got, okay. uh, and then the other one is the Seneca one networking event. So we try okay. to get everything strategic. We think, okay, what is a good place that's going to benefit the space and is going to benefit. Uh, us and what do people want to know like so this is a no a new co really modern co-working space mm-hmm. in buffalo where the guy that owns it, it runs a capital ventures firm so startups would love to probably meet someone like that and at least pick their brain on that so it's a it's a really cool space i went, we have to throw an event here and plus they're they just opened like two three months ago so i was like this is going to really benefit them getting entrepreneurs in there and getting people the word out there it's going to benefit us because you know it's, it benefits everyone like no one's you know, it's just I'm just trying to think about that all the time. Like, what is next? What what, what can we learn? What can we grow here? What can getting feedback from people and um, just trying to listen.
0: Yeah, um, we'll we'll wrap it up here. I went over the time that I told you we would do, but before we do, you mentioned something. You have a great relationship with your dad. What's the situation with your mom and your dad? To update us.
1: Yeah, so obviously they got divorced. You yeah. know, uh, when I was. What about young. your
0: relationship with them? Tell me about your relationship with your father. That's interesting.
1: Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, I love my dad. And I, I always make sure I tell him that, um, tell him that like, I, dad, you know, I've forgiven you, right? Let's you know, one thing that, you know, I, he doesn't listen to podcasts. He's like 62 years old. So, mm. but I tell him this all the time, like, dad, like, you know, I've forgiven you a long time ago, right? I love you. I don't, when I see you, I don't see brokenness. I don't see shame. I don't see, I wish I see, man, I get to have a relationship with you right now. Like I get to, I don't care, you know, obviously, you know, water under the bridge. And a lot of times when we forgive people, by the way, I want to I want to say this real quick. Here's the, here's the misconception of forgiveness. People think when I forgive someone, that means it didn't matter. Oh, it didn't matter anyways. Or it was actually okay, you did it. Or, I, I, you know, whatever. To me, forgiveness means it's not okay. It did hurt me. It does matter. But I still release you from it. And for me, it's just like, it did matter. It did affect me. I had to go through a lot of shitty situations because yeah. the impact of that, but I love you so much. And we're going to build this foundation one step at a time here. And that's been a series. I mean, I'm 33, i have to be 34. And that was, that started when I was like 16 years old and having those relationships and just telling you that, like when was the last time we sat there and just told them so I'm like, I love you. And I'm just so thankful you're in my life right now. Thank you for being in my life. And just, you know, thank you for doing this walk of life. Doesn't mean I take advice from them. It doesn't mean that I can't have healthy boundaries. Just because we share DNA with somebody doesn't mean we have to be around them. And there were times in our relationship where I said, dad, like right now, the way you are right now, it's unhealthy for me. So I'm gonna have to limit my exposure to you. It's not my fault, but until you do this, I can't be around you for more than a very, maybe for maybe once a week or once every two weeks. And it's not because I don't love you. It's just that I have to be healthy and I want to be the man I'm meant to be. And the way you're talking, the way you're observing, the way you're just acting or whatever you want to call it, I don't want to get too specific. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. And, and if they don't want to change, that's okay. But you give them every opportunity to, but it's okay to put, I call it guardrails. I'd rather hit a guardrail than go off the cliff, right? Or go into the ditch. So for me, what is that guardrail? So many times I see, especially motivational speaking, uh, family problems, family problems. Hey, just because you share DNA doesn't mean you have to have a relationship with them. It does not mean that. It means you can put healthy, I call I call it guardrails. So for me, I put those up and, you know, we have a great relationship and um, because of that, and he knows that and- um, I see my dad probably two, three times a week. Like I said, That's we, great. you know, you would never guess looking at us, talking to us. You would never guess we had such a horrible past.
0: That's great. That's inspirational. And and how is your role model? How, what's life with your mom? Mom's
1: great. You know, in yeah. fact, my wife always joke. she goes, I could never, and, and, you know, it's a, we laugh at, it. it's not a, a serious thing when she goes, I don't think I could ever live up to your mom, but how much she loves you. Wow. <laughs> so, you know um, but uh, my relationship with mom and I, I, I love her and, you know, when you, if you meet her, it'll make sense why the way I am, because she's always go, go, go. And so am I. And so I'm really thankful to have my, my wife, Amber. I know we talked about my mom, but, um, she's always going like, you know, she'll, she'll, uh, she'll work. till she can't work no more because she just loves being productive. But my wife, I love her because she grounds me, Dave, (laughs) you can stop today. You can say, Dave, it's four o'clock. You can stop.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) No, it's, it's great. I mean, uh, I, I really appreciate you opening up there. I know that's not easy. I looks easy, uh, you know, because you make it look easy, but that, um, I, I know that's, that's not easy, but, um, I know that you're the kind of person that wants to help people and hopefully that just helps one person because your, uh, your energy is, uh, is contagious. It's great. You know, and I appreciate it. It's, um, you know you you i you, you're you're certainly inspirational and uh, that's what we look for we look for you know can we inform can we educate you know can we inspire and um, i you are a golden example of of all three um, congratulations to you i'm proud of you i don't know you well enough to say i'm proud of you i feel like but i am i'm, I'm proud of uh you know you recognizing um your role and uh, overcoming a lot because i don't think a lot of people can overcome some of those situations and for you to recognize the good in like for example your parents uh is is amazing and uh you're you're 33 going on the wisdom of a of a 70 year old and uh but you have the energy of a 15 year old that's great so uh congratulations dave i I really appreciate it
1: yes do you appreciate it man um this is not as good as it gets
0: right uh, this right. is just the beginning <laughs> good for you good for you so all right so if you want to uh read his book can someone f- still find never complete
1: yeah if you go on uh you know uh amazon I, okay. I, you find it in barnes and noble i think at least it was on there at one point you know okay. obviously i stopped speaking i don't know if they took it off the shelves because of
0: uh
1: because mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't really speak anymore but um, yeah, if you just type my name, David Schaub, S-C-H-A-U-B, or put never complete. I'm sure there's other things that are never complete that are, because obviously go right. by order of sold and whatnot. So if you yeah. put my name in, you'll find it in there.
0: Great. Uh, and if someone is interested in N2 publishing, should they email you, call you? I have both. Do you want me to give those out? Yeah, go for it. Your phone number is 716-512-0184, 716-512-0184, or david.schaub. S-H-A-U-B. S-C H uh, what did I say? Uh S-H-H-
1: S-H. So S C H A-U-B at N2pub.com.
0: N2pub.com. That's n the number two pub.com. So one more time. David. David.shob S-C-H-A-U-B at N2 the number two. N2pub.com. His podcast is Western New York Entrepreneur. The guy is busy uh but reach out connect he's a connector and um he's doing great things for not just the business community but for human beings and uh for that we're 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 thankful so once again thanks for joining us dave appreciate you and uh look congratulations on your success and i look forward to watching and being in as you have you succeed a lot more you're a young man with a long way to go so way to go keep it going
1: Thanks, Steve. Appreciate you.
0: All right. That's a wrap on this uh, edition uh, of uh, Sidewalk Talk. You can download, uh, uh, listen to uh, any of our podcasts, any platform you want, but you can download any of them past uh, right on our website. It's uh, shovelthesidewalk.com. If you have a story that needs to be shared or, yourself or know of someone that can inspire educate or inspire like dave did uh, we have a form on the website go ahead fill it out and we will connect with you and get the story out there thanks again dave thanks again anyone out there listening and uh, watching and participating i'm steve fortunato and this has been sidewalk talk